Amen. God does great things. And if he hasn't done anything great in your life recently, ask a friend. Trust me. We need to encourage each other. Uh, we've, we've been witnessing God doing great things in our own uh, church body in this last season. And one of those things is our kids' ministry. So uh, we're going to dismiss the kids, but hold on one sec. We've been doing kind of like this, like, come up front, we're going to pray for you. And then they run downstairs and it's crazy and we love it. Um, but in order to actually like care for our kids properly, uh, we want parents, we want and need parents, adults, grandparents, whoever brought you uh, needs to actually sign you in and sign you out because uh, it's all fun and games until somebody loses a child, right? Like, no, seriously. So this is a real thing. We love our kids. We don't want to lose them. And therefore, we got to do like the actual thing. So I'm giving announcements, for example. So Jeff will have to take our son down and sign him in, right? Like, it's easy. Uh, if you're flying solo and you miss the announcements, you can find it all on the website or talk to someone after the service in the foyer. We'll bring you up to speed. We got this. So now, kids are dismissed for, I don't know, Sunday school, children's church, kids ministry, whatever we want to call it. Uh, but would the Lord uh, bless you and your teachers as they invest in you this morning. And yes, parents and grandparents and adults, please sign them in. Uh, that's not even like the announcement. We got two real announcements this morning. Uh, the first being uh, next Sunday following the service, if you are uh, part of our church membership, we have our annual general meeting. Uh, so please stay. Uh, if you are watching online, please drive in and attend in person. So um, AGM next week. Email went out with all of the other details surrounding that. Uh, and then in two Sundays, okay, two Sundays, two weeks today, uh, we have invited a pastor who shall remain unnamed because they are currently pastoring uh, to come and preach for the call. So obviously we're in transition. Pastor Ralph has been our interim pastor. Uh, we just feel like the Lord has been leading us on this journey and we've been discerning and uh, we want you to be here <laughs> uh, to kind of come and hear and meet uh, this person. And uh, then following that, again, our church membership uh, will be asked to stay afterward and vote on whether or not we believe that this is who the Lord is bringing to us. Um, and so with that kind of comes like this responsibility. We know in two weeks they're coming, but be praying like, we hope that you've been praying the whole time. <laughs> but now, really, just be in prayer. Uh, ready your own spirit, your own heart, and just be praying for that person as well, that God would speak clearly to all the parties involved. Uh, so it's exciting. But lots going on. Thank you. Thank you. I lost so many of them when I said you had to sign your kids in today. Like, now they're wondering if we've lost a child in the past. We haven't. We're just preventing it. Okay, so, <laughs> that's enough out of me. Let's pray and worship the Lord together this morning. God, we thank you that this is your church. God, that we're a local body of believers that gathers because we love you, uh, but you loved us first. 
And so, Lord, we want to just continue to lift your name on high this morning. We want your praise to just be on our lips. Prepare our hearts and minds for the word. And would your spirit just be so present here today. Be present in this place, but be present with everyone who's watching or streaming wherever they are. We know that you're the God that can do that. You're the God who's always with us. And uh, we thank you for that. We thank you that you're alive, you're doing great things, and that even today, uh, your miracles are true. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How true that is. How true it is that the Lord rescues us. Think back of your life for just a moment and think of the times when when you were in, in, in a deep mess or in deep despair and God rescued you. He sure has been busy rescuing me over the years, I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know what? There was a great celebration here last night. It was, it was tremendous. There were, there were a lot of women here and uh, they were enjoying a, a watch party. And I, I still laugh about it when I think of Bryce, when we asked Bryce to make up a slide for the watch party, that, that uh, he had this beautiful slide prepared of watches. <laughs> All different types of watches. It was absolutely wonderful. But I said, you know, the women are going to be watching uh, a live stream. And, and uh, it, was, it was really special. And, and Lisa, you're going to bring Kathy up here, aren't you? And we're just going to get a little bit of a report of of what uh, God did last night. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks. Yeah, so we're just going to give you a little teaser, a couple little tidbits of the amazing nuggets we had last night. Uh, we had about 25-ish ladies here with us last night. It was beautiful. Uh, beautiful fellowship, right? Getting to know each other a little bit better. Um, the special speaker for the evening is what was the highlight. Uh, her name was Susie Larson, and uh, she's the theme of the evening was grit and grace. Well, she's gone through a lot of grit. Oh my goodness. Um, and to see where she is now and how she's um, gotten closer to God through it. Her faith is grown through it. She knows him better for it. And that's what she was encouraging us to do, right? To find his grace through all the grit. And I mean, we've all gone through a lot of grit in the last couple of years, but it was really great. Um, one point for myself, we all had a chance to talk after uh, and discuss little things that meant something to us. And for me, the one thing, I mean, there was a lot. Kathy and I <laughs> drove home together and we were like, we, we were just like the whole time all the way home and she was still getting out of the car and we're still talking and like with the doors open. And <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was really good. Um, but one thing she talked about was, um, well, she's been believing God for healing, for 100% healing in her body. And she talked about someone who brought up the fact um, have you, are you not per quite persuaded? Have we lost, you know, the fact that of our persuasion and our expectancy? Maybe we've been praying for something um, to happen or we believed something was going to happen or something was, you know, in the right place and we believed and we went that way and now we're like, hmm, you know, it's not happening. Um, 
it doesn't feel like maybe that's what I'm supposed to do or whatever the case might be or this is not where I'm supposed to be and uh, you know something that you've been praying for for quite a while and now you're questioning you know and um, it's like am I not um, persuaded any longer and I have that in my life with a few issues so that's what I'm going to be taking away and working on um, and that's our prayer it's like whatever you ladies I mean there was so much everybody got something different uh, throughout the evening so whatever that little seed was planted you know that's our prayer is that you'll continue down that path and work that out and you know um, meet with God on that whatever it is um. I'm glad I brought my paper. I, I don't have a phone. <laughs> like, um, she was amazing, and I think she challenged us in so many ways, and she was so real. And one of the things that spoke to me was her just to remind us of how much God loves us. We focus a lot sometimes on our love for God, and that can just cause us sometimes to feel like we, we can't quite attain that. But God came to us. He came down to earth to us. And she just challenged us to spend, you know, maybe 15 minutes a day really thinking about how much God loves us. And as we grasp his great love for us, that intimate time with him will help change our perspective. And it causes us to become more grateful and have that um, heart of gratitude. And and the closer we come to him, the the stronger, like, we become in being able to do his will and and another thing she talked about was cultivating a mind that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be able to hear God's voice and to step out and be faithful and do the things that God is calling us to do and, and to meet the, the needs of other people. And this isn't really about last night, but it's kind of connected to last night. There's a couple things throughout the week that kind of fits in with what we learned last night, and, and that was about, um, it isn't about us. And that God wants to use us, but he will only use us as much as we allow him to use us and just being willing to be open to that and the children's memory verse last week was um, two people are better than one um, because they can help each other succeed and one of the great things about last night getting together and hanging out with everybody it's important you could sit at home and watch it online but the the intimacy of being together as a group and knowing that you're not alone and having people there to support you it is just such a, a huge thing, especially after this time where we've had almost two years of separation. And, um, you know, she was talking about like fear causes self-preservation. And, you know, so we kind of want to protect ourselves. I mean, we had a lot of fears before, but I think now a lot of people with the fear of COVID and all the things that have happened, it's caused us to turn inward. And she just encouraged us to, you know, not allow that fear to control and rule our lives and just, um, step out in faith and one other thing was i was thinking this too about unity our focus has been a lot about unity and um i think if god wanted us to walk this road alone he wouldn't speak so much about unity in the bible and so also in our bible study on wednesdays we talked about you know putting the interests of others above ourselves and i think that that kind of goes along with some of the things we learned last night about you know, even coming together, it's so easy now, especially because we've become in the habit of thinking just of ourselves and hiding away in our own little rooms. But even if you aren't experiencing loneliness or you don't have that need for fellowship necessarily, 
there are so many people out here who that might be their only connection with somebody throughout the week. So I would just challenge everybody. It was so amazing. It's amazing to me, like, how you could read the Bible for years and years, and yet God's Word is living, and it's new. And the things that we learned, I was so challenged. Like, I'm writing notes, and I'm like, yeah. I've heard other people say, i, I got to go home and think about this. Like, it just really caused us to think about things in a different way. So I would just challenge you that, you know, this is a gift, especially after the two years of knowing we've been separated, the, the ability to come together. Um, I hope we would just not lose how important that gift is, because honestly, we don't know. I mean, right now it was COVID. It could be the government. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? And I just think we need to take this opportunity to grow and develop relationships so that we're never alone. And um, in that, you know, that God would be glorified. Two last quotes, I'm not gonna go on, uh, but uh, these stood out to me. Who you are is not about what you do, it's about being someone God loves. Stewardship, or good works, makes us healthy, but faith brings the healing. Wow, thank you. No, thank you so much, Lisa. And uh, Lisa and Carrie worked very hard to to make this happen. They've worked tirelessly for the last three weeks. And, and I just want to say thank you so much for, for these two women who worked so hard to bring that, bring that about. And you know, encouragement is, is really happening around here. And I got to say that. I've seen so much encouragement taking place amongst you as the, the people of God here at Prince George Pentecostal Church. And we want to keep that going, don't we? We want to keep that encouragement going. And one of the things that the Lord has placed on my heart in the last two or three weeks was we need to have tools available to us. And I thought of, the, I thought of making a little card in it. And it says, I want to encourage you today. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And we've, we've made these cards up. You'll find them in the foyer. We'd encourage you to use them. And uh, to keep the ball rolling uh, and keep encouraging one another. And, and uh, uh, you, might, you might not know this, but not everybody does receive encouragement. There are some who just get an overwhelming amount, uh, maybe because they're, they're up front or uh, they're, not, uh, they're visible. But there are many who are working behind the scenes who are serving the Lord so faithfully and and sometimes they wonder is it worth it it is worth it for the lord uh, but a little card like this just means the world to them so uh, you'll find them in the back we can keep making up more as we go along so uh you know it's it's been a bit of a road as we've as we've marched through uh as we're marching through first corinthians we're we're in the series on the book of First Corinthians, but guess what? We won't finish it, you know, we, we won't finish. But you know what? You can finish it on your own. I mean, nobody's stopping you from, from digging down deep into First Corinthians and finding what it's all about. But it has been uh, a wonderful journey, uh, and we'll, we'll continue with it. I'm not quite sure we might be closing it off today. I, I'm just trying to... Uh, a gauge what the Lord is wanting to do in the next little while 
with, with us as the people of God. But last week, Steve uh, uh, Putney, he kind of gave us a bit of a reprieve from uh, the book of 1 Corinthians because it's been, it's been kind of hard preaching. I mean, you know, I, uh, Tiffany and I were laughing this morning because she saw this little, this little meme, a little, little anecdote, and it was uh, this guy walking up with a, a letter and said, I got a letter from Paul, and everybody's saying, yippee, 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 a letter from Paul. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> Well, it didn't contain a lot of good stuff, did it? <laughs> it's kind of funny. And, and so uh, Paul has a, a lot of things to, to tell. He had a lot of things to tell the, the church in, in Corinth in, the, in, in that letter to the, to the Corinthians, the first letter. We're not quite sure if it was the first letter, but in that letter to the Corinthians. And, and it's so apropos for us today. It's applicable for us today like, like never before, I believe. And uh, like I was saying, it is a, it is a bit of a hard preaching, like even today, the title of my message is, Nobody Likes to Be Disciplined. You know, and I hope, as you've already kind of sung about, that theme, the love that God has for us, will resonate with you and, and, and will, will speak to you as we, as we continue on in our series, especially as it relates to, to this subject. But Steve, he spoke on, uh, you know, he spoke on, on kind of a, a reset. You know, that's what I took from it anyway. And all week long, I've been kind of pushing the, the reset button in my life and, and just uh, appreciating God's wonder and God's recreation. Every single day is recreation in my life and for us. But uh, today, we're, we're, we're going to give a, a bit of a challenge from God's Word that I hope will also resonate with you, that'll give you uh, a better picture of God's love for you and what it all entails and what love really, really means. So uh, don't worry, I'm not going to be too harsh uh, from this passage, but uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 13, you can look it up in your Bibles on your smartphones or in a hard copy, or just follow along. Uh, the verses will be up there on the screen. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 13. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Now, the scripture that we just read is aimed at not the world, but us. It's aimed at the people of God. 
the people who follow Jesus. And the main theme of this whole passage is discipline in the church. Now, I want to start by explaining very briefly what Paul is not talking about. Okay? This isn't about punishment. Discipline does not equal punishment. Carrie and I learned this early in parenting from people like Dr. James Dobson. He taught that punishment is a form of negative discipline. And it's so true. It, punishment is, is basically negative discipline. Positive discipline aims to correct the behavior. Positive discipline discourages misbehavior. But it also teaches people expectations. It also teaches people accountability. It helps a person see that there's a, there's a connection between what they do and what happens next. Like the natural or the, the logical consequences to, to our actions, to, to our behavior. There are sometimes situations where we're Corrective discipline is, is desperately needed. You know that with, with your children. We know that uh, as it relates to ourselves. But also, we need to know that as it relates to, to the church. And discipline, corrective discipline, is much more effective than punishment. Punishment is like a negative discipline. It's like a, a penalty for doing something wrong. It tries to change a, a person's future behavior by making them pay for their mistakes. It's a kind of a reactive approach that handles the situation in the moment. You know, I was thinking about my, my junior high French class. And my, my junior high French teacher had uh, three rulers, well, the one-foot rulers, and he had them taped together. And if we didn't pronounce something right, or we usually pronounce it wrong on purpose, whenever they realized that we were doing, whenever he realized we were doing something like that, any kind of, of, of misbehaving, he would march right up to us, okay, this is in junior high, and he'd say, put out your hand, and so put out our hand, and he would take this ruler that was taped together, three of the rulers, and wham! <laughs> and I'll tell you something, that hurt, that hurt so crazy bad, and uh, it didn't help me to learn French one single bit. Bonjour. A little bit, I, I, I still remember. But I'll tell you what it did do. It, it wanted me to get out of there as fast as I could. You know, I just wanted to, to get out of French class. And then in senior high, I had a shop teacher who had a yardstick. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a thicker than normal yardstick. It was, he made it himself. It was made out of this hard oak wood. And, and if we used the machine wrong, or if we did anything, you know, if we weren't paying attention, he'd say, okay, come on over here. He'd call you out, and you'd have to stand over. And I remember, I still can see his bench. Kind of, we had to stand like this, and he would stand over here with his, with his stick. And... and yeah, and I'll tell you, that, that, was, that hurt like crazy, and I, but I did get to sign the stick. Everybody who, who uh, felt that stick got to sign it, and I remember looking at it and seeing all the people that, that did receive that. Um, 
But you know what? It didn't, it didn't teach me a thing. It just was, you know, kind of funny and, and hurtful at the same time. You know what I mean? Physically. Um, and this week, this week, some of our local RCMP were using our parking lot, kind of hiding behind the church building to, to catch all those drivers who were speeding or, or, or running the light and, and things like that. And they actually caught quite a number. And I actually walked over. I wanted to talk to one of the, one of the police officers and, and ask them if I could get a little bit of a payment or something because they were using our parking lot for this kind of stuff. And I was also going to point out my car. And I asked, please, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I'm in a rush, okay? So, you know, but, but this RCMP lady, she, ran, she, she took off with her lights blazing uh, so quickly because they were, they were quite busy. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, wow, are they administering punishment or discipline? It depends, right? Like, it, it, it kind of depends. Like, if they walked up to the window and said, I'm going to throw the at you. You know, what kind of a driver are you? You're a danger to society. Sounds more like punishment to me, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but, but, but if they walked up and they said, you know, excuse me, um, is there an emergency? And if you said no, well, let's say, well, could I just see your driver's license for a sec? That happened to me one time because I was taking a, a convoy of people to, you know, many times, okay. So, but this, this one time I was taking a convoy to pe- of people to a missions fest. And, uh, and so I had come up beside one of the cars and, and I was acting kind of silly. I had a licorice stuck in my ear. And, you know, we were doing all sorts of making funny things. And I guess I got it carried away with my speed or something. I must have, because I got pulled over by the policeman. And uh, the rest of the convoy drove by, and they were laughing and waving and everything. And the, the police officer walked up and said, Sir, are you in a rush somewhere? And I said, I was actually saying goodbye to some of the people. We're on our way to a conference, and they were going to pull off at this exit. But I deserve it. I said, I deserve, I deserve everything you're going to do. And he, he was such a nice police officer. He just said, okay, if you haven't had a ticket in the last 10 years, you're off. I said, I haven't. And I hadn't, but I'd been let off probably about 10 times (laughs) up to that point. And uh, so he came back and he said, uh, you know, you told me the truth. And I said, actually, I didn't because I've been sitting here thinking. And I did get... I got photo radared once, and he said, that's not police work. Have a good day. <laughs> but I was disciplined, you know. I, I, just, I felt like disciplined. I felt like I, had, I, um, I, sh- I shouldn't have done that. And I, I talked to the young people that were in the car with me. They thought it was a big joke. But I said, you know what? I think I learned a lesson. And some might say, well, God punishes. He doesn't only discipline. Isn't that what hell is? Isn't hell like eternal punishment? Yeah, but, but that's God. And, and that's a picture of judgment, which is totally his department. That's not ours. And to bring it all into balance, for sure, scripturally, sometimes he does, in his sovereignty, use people to execute his judgment 
or punishment? Yeah, he does. We know that. We can go to places in Scripture where, where we see that. In some translations, the word punishment is used uh, in reference to how God treats us sometimes, but it's usually, it's usually in the context of something that's positive, something that, that needs to be learned. It's, it's done in a positive light. And oftentimes, when, when we see the word punishment in some of our Bibles, and some of you might be thinking that right now, because we even sang a little bit about it. We, we, uh, Jason was even, even reading a passage on punishment. But it, but it was in a positive light. And in many languages, for example, in the Russian language, the word discipline and the word punishment are one and the same word. And I learned that the hard way one time when I was preaching in the church in Moscow. And I thank the Lord for my interpreter who understood what I was doing and where I was going. She explained to me that when you do use the word, uh, when I, she was explaining to me when, when she uses the word that I would uh, use, say, I use the word discipline, she would use the word, but put all sorts of, um, adjectives behind it and in front of it to bring it to a positive understanding of what was happening here. And it's much the same in Hebrew and Greek. And, and that's why the context is so important. And that's why, even as we were reading the scripture, and even in one scripture I'm going to read here in a moment, the word punishment is used, but the context tells us something different, tells us it's more like Discipline, for example, in Hebrews chapter 12, 5 to 6. And, and this passage, we're going to be looking at it a little more in a bit. And it really complements our text. It actually brings a, a much clearer understanding to why, to the why of discipline. And, 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 it, and, and it completes uh, the, the text that we were reading earlier. Let me read it for you, Hebrews 12, 5 to 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. Notice that. The encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. That's a quote from Proverbs chapter 3. Now listen to to the spin that the message gives, this, give these two, gives these two verses. Okay, my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. This is the sentiment, like the child he embraces. So in our text, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul's not talking about punishment. The other thing he's not talking about is spiritual disciplines, like what Richard Foster in his book Celebration of, of Discipline talks about. It's one of my, my favorite books, actually. It's, it's one of the few books that I brought with me up here to, to Prince George. Disciplines, like meditation or, or prayer and fasting and study and, and, and submission and, and uh, service and confession and witness, all of those uh, spiritual disciplines that we love or that we learn to love. 
Paul's not talking about this. He's talking about a great need in the church today. He's talking about discipline, positive. He's talking about discipline in the corrective form. Something that, if we're all honest, we don't like very much, is it? Discipline. But do we ever need it? And do we ever need to administer it sometimes in our churches today? Just like what Paul was doing in his day. Just like in the Corinthian church in our text. Verse 13, God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you, you in the church must remove the evil person from among you. And we say, well, that's harsh. Harsh, how can that be love? Yeah. Well, discipline is even fun. Well, (laughs) how can discipline be fun? Well, maybe not to administer it, but to receive it and to live within it. It's fun. We need boundaries, otherwise life wouldn't be free. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's a contradiction. No, it isn't. If we wouldn't have boundaries in our life, this, our world, our present world here in the West would be even crazier than it is now. That's for sure. Let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. Try to imagine no rules in sports. Try to imagine that. You know, Nicky Gumbel in the Alpha Series, he talks about how one time he was asked to, to ref a soccer team. The, the ref, the normal ref, didn't show up for his kid's game. And so the, pres- the, the parents put pressure on him to, to ref uh, the game. And he, he, he hardly knew the rules, but he said, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, and he was pressured into it. And, and Bedlam broke out because, you know, he, he didn't want to be too hard on the kids, right? So he, he'd let them chase the ball out of bounds and off they would go. You know how kids are. They, you know, a whole herd of them would be following the ball all over the place. And, ah, and, the, and the parents are yelling at him now, and the kids got mad because one of them got hurt or something, and he just, you know, he wouldn't call a penalty and those kinds of things. And, and, and it was just bad. And then the ref showed up. <laughs> and, and everyone relaxed, and the kids began to have fun. Imagine. Jeff, imagine in hockey. No rules. You know, can you imagine? It would take all the fun away. How about baseball? Well, that's uh, strike 31. Uh, Maybe the next one he'll hit. Hey, what do you think? You know, it takes the fun out of it. I said earlier that Hebrews 12 complements our text, and it actually brings a, a much deeper, a clearer understanding as to the why of discipline that the Corinthians 5 uh, passage talks about. It actually completes the whole thought. So I'd like us to look at a few verses from this chapter um, out of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Now, some of you would know the context of this. Uh, Chapter 11 of uh, Hebrews describes all our great heroes of faith, those who have just, uh, they they just lived through everything that this world has to offer, and they've remained faithful Uh, to the Lord. Some were greatly tortured for their faith in God and on and on. And then Hebrews 12 starts this way. Now, follow along with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, 
Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who endures and perfects our faith. And then over to verse 5. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. We talked about that already. So that was a, that's a positive spin to that punishment. It's, it's positive punishment, okay? Discipline. Verse 7, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you, as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable. While it is happening, it's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. As you can see, this, this passage has everything to do with discipline. It has everything to do with why we need it. We all know discipline. We, we all know it, don't we? We all know it. We've all had it. We've had it given to us by our parents and, and our teachers and our, and our deans and, and, and the police and, and our boss and our spouse <laughs> and the Lord. Where would we be without discipline? I want us to look at this passage a bit closer. In verse 1, the word translated weight was to do with the athletic world of the day. It actually meant extra flesh or, or fat, which needed to be removed by training. It was also the word used for pride, good pride or, or even bad pride. But in this context, it, it implies a, a bad pride. It, it implies a, a bad weight, a weight that weights you down, like extra clothes which need to be thrown off. In a race, too much clothing is a, is a hindrance, and we know that. It's an illustration of, of a lot of wrong stuff attached to us or that we get involved in, which can really be a hindrance to us being all that we're meant to be, being all that God wants us to be. Verse 2 tells us our focus has to be on Jesus as we run our race, this race called life. He started the work in us. He'll finish it. But along the way, along this course of our race, there are hills and, and there are curves and there are potholes. And sometimes we get dry 
and thirsty. And sometimes we're not getting there fast enough, so we take shortcuts. It's a race of endurance. And to make us better runners, and to help us stay on course, what do we need? Discipline. We need discipline. Discipline. And sometimes this hurts. But I'll tell you, it's very, very important. You see, we've, we've got to stay on course. What kind of race would it be otherwise? And, and when discipline comes, the Bible tells us here, don't ignore it in verse 5. And when it comes, don't lose heart and want to quit the race. God, who's the one disciplining you, loves you. And he wants the best for you. The very best for you. He's our loving father. Our real loving father. And we're his children, verse 7 tells us. He is treating us like his sons and daughters. And when we get off course, when we decide we're going to do our own thing, he leads and he guides us. And it's not punishment as we know it. It's guidance. It's training. Well, what does it mean to get off course? Like, when do we mostly need discipline? <laughs> Practically speaking. Well, I believe that when we keep reading here in this, in, this, in this chapter, in Hebrews chapter 12, we get the answer, verse 14. And, and the verses following give us uh, some very clear reasons. And it's not an exhaustive study by no means, but a, a few very good reasons. We are off course and needing discipline when we're not getting along with each other and when we're not getting along with the Lord. Verse 14, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. When we aren't living holy lives, we, we, we can't get along. We, we can't be at peace with God. You might think, well, what do you get along with God? Well, basically I'm saying be at peace with God. Listen to him. Hear him. Verse 15 talks about a root of bitterness. This, this doesn't belong either. We can't have a root of bitterness. It, it, doesn't, it shouldn't be there. If it is, you've stopped running. Or you're way running a rabbit trail like you shouldn't be running. Look after each other, verse 15 says, so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. We need to be getting along, and, and there should be no root of bitterness. We need to be walking, people, we need to be walking in forgiveness and in harmony. And, and we're off course in needing discipline when, secondly, we don't really care that people are missing out on the grace of God. Verse 15 again, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. No one should be left out. If you keep it all to yourself, the grace of God that you know, look out. If it's always about us, 
It's all about me. It's always about us. Oh my. I know this from many personal experiences. If it's about me, I'm about to get disciplined. And I know it. For not looking out for others. For looking at myself only. Same thing goes for a church. It's always about us. And if we're keeping the grace of God away from others, hoarding it, so to speak, watch out. You're bound to get disciplined. Jesus will discipline us by putting us in a situation where we'll get a reality check. Something <laughs> inevitably, inevitably will come. It'll come along to teach us to empathize and, and help remind us of God's grace. And it'll spur us on to speak grace into people's lives. Encouragement and love, the exact opposite of criticism. And a third thing I see here, we're off course in needing discipline when we're immoral. Verse 16, when we're sexually immoral or or godless, we're lying and cheating and stealing. Verse 16, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. There will be consequences. There will be discipline because the Lord loves us so much. He wants to keep us on track. He wants to keep us running. There are a lot of more reasons why we need discipline. But I'll tell you, if there are any of these that describe where we're at. And I'm saying we here because, you know, we constantly need to be doing reality checks in our own life. If there are any of these three describe us, we'll be disciplined. And that's a good thing because if we respond to God's discipline in love, we'll grow. You know, we sing that song around here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. And the course goes, how does the course go again? You give. Oh. You give and take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and take away. We submit to the Lord. You know, His ways are best. What He does in us to shape us. All the things He does, we can trust. But if we rebel, that's not a good thing. Could it be sometimes we're just too self-dependent and, and He wants to teach us dependency on Him. So we're running the race looking at Him. Looking to Jesus. Like what we read. So, what did I say earlier in verse 5? When discipline comes, we don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. When discipline comes, we should accept it. We should learn from it. We shouldn't lose heart and quit the race. We should surrender anew. So, in light of what's going on in your life right now, right now, today, make sure you're in right relationship with the Lord. Make sure you're in right relationship with others as well. That there isn't any unforgiveness there. Make sure you don't miss or 
take for granted God's grace in your life? Or are the cause for others missing it? Make sure you're living a moral life before the Lord. Make sure. So we need discipline. And now back to our first Corinthians 5 text. We also need to be faithful in administering it. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. In 1 Timothy 1, 19-20, Paul writes, Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear, for some people have deliberately violated their consciences. God speaking to you. And we, we ignore it. Ugh. God's leading in a certain way. We go the other way. Deliberately violating our consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Menes and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Tiffany dealt with the, the verses earlier in this chapter where Paul said in reference to the man who claimed to be a follower of Jesus was, but was living in an adulterous and terribly immoral situation. He said in verse 5, 4 and 5, In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I will present I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of the Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Folks, you always take the bad apple out of a, a basket, don't you? You know, why do we do that? We do that so that the good apples will stay good. If, if you have the understanding that, you know, well, we want to keep that bad apple here because you know what? We can rub off, rub off on this bad apple. And, but you know what? Bad apples don't get good. Good apples get bad if the bad apple's in the basket. I, I know that this analogy kind of breaks down because the bad apple won't get good all by itself and, and, and it won't become a good apple again. Maybe, maybe a fire ember is, is a better analogy because you take an ember out of the fire and that, fi that ember will lose its glow. It won't take long. The fire keeps its glow. You bring the ember back in and the glow returns to the ember. Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. And what he was saying was discontinue this pattern of sin. I, I want to tell you this, people of God, today. Discipline is not meant to be a permanent thing. Hand them over to Satan, period. No. It's not a period. It's not a permanent thing. It's to teach us. 
Jason, I'm going to ask you and the band to come up. I think, and I think you've, you've thought this as well, what is the Lord doing or allowing in the Ukraine? Are the Ukrainians being disciplined? <laughs> I don't think so. If this is how God does things, I think that we're in real danger because we're much more pagan and godless than the, than the Ukrainians. So I, I bring that up because if you're suffering with pain this morning, please understand me and understand God's word as well. If you're going through difficult, terribly difficult circumstances, please understand this. Please understand God's word. It doesn't necessarily mean you're being disciplined. Please hear that. It does not mean that you're being disciplined. Okay? We live in a fallen world. There is sickness, there's disease, there, there are wars, there's trouble, there are accidents. And oftentimes the enemy of our souls is behind our suffering. Understand that. It'll be this way until the Lord makes things perfect. And oh, for that day, hey? But our hearts go out to our brothers and sisters who are, who are suffering in pain, even today in our, in our fellowship, in our service, and, and our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. We're concerned about them. Many of them have lost loved ones and their lives have been completely disrupted and we sympathize with them and some empathize with them. You know, Carrie and I have uh, adopted some Syrian, Syrian kids and, and their kids, our kids, our grandchildren, right? And uh, they, were, they came along, we, we brought them out in, in 2016 together with our church. There are, there are kids, we... We call them our kids. They call us dad and mom. And we were talking with them on Friday. And uh, wow, they empathize. They know what the dear people of the Ukraine are going through right now. They made mountains of baklava last week to sell so that they could send the money to the refugees in the Ukraine. They, they were able to send close to $1,000 in a week that they made. Yeah, we're, we're very, very proud of them. And I know that each one of us can empathize, but some of us don't. Some of us don't even sympathize with them and with the situation. And we need to. We need to. I hope we, we all understand that God is sovereign and not everything hurtful that's going on in our world is, is this discipline. And a, and a great reminder for us is not to be like Job's friends who jumped to a very wrong conclusion and God dealt with them. They basically said Job had sinned and God dealt with them for pronouncing that kind of a judgment. We need to leave some things with the Lord and often this calls for, for real wisdom and discernment even as it relates to the body and discipline in the body. But church, to the point, we need to ask ourselves, am I willing to receive the discipline of God in my life to keep me running 
the race of life for his glory. Can we say with confidence, just like we sang so many songs this morning, God, I love you, and I know you love me. And lastly, uh, according to our 1 Corinthians 5 text, am I willing to administer discipline if it's called for? I say this mainly to leaders here today. Am I willing? So I'll be back in a, in a couple minutes after we sing a song with some concluding remarks. Many years ago, I, uh, I pastored in, in Ladner Pentecostal Church, and I was, I was very blessed to have your, your uh, Pastor Rich as my assistant during those years. And Pastor Rich had a very large youth Sunday school class, and, and there were uh, a number of volunteers involved. And two of the volunteers, one was a, a mom with three kids with a, a not-yet-saved husband who, who wasn't in the church yet. And, uh, and a man who, who was a divorcee. And one day, the, the friend of, uh, of, this young, of this young woman who was involved in, in high school class, friend, and she was crying, and, and she said uh, she feared something was going on between the young mom and, and the divorcee man. They were both members of our, our church. So I was alarmed, and I called one of our uh, the deacons in our church, and I asked him if he would, and he'd come to the, to the young mom's home with me. So we went, and she answered the door, but instead of her husband uh, being there, the divorcee was there. And we came in and sat down. We found out that her husband had, had left the house that week. And I asked them, I said, what's going on here? And uh, they grabbed each other's hands. And looked at each other and I said, oh no, you guys are sleeping together. And they said, God's brought us together. We know that. I said, no, he, no, he hasn't. I said, today is Thursday and by Saturday night, if you don't come apart and repent, and I'm going to have to tell the whole church family what's going on. And they wouldn't budge. They, we, we, I consulted with the rest of the, our board and the deacon board. They, they, they affirmed that the, the approach we were taking was right. It was the biblical one. But I'll tell you, folks, it was, it was terrible hard. And I questioned my actions and, and our decisions, the, this ultimatum over, over the next few days. And, and even Saturday night, I, I, I called them and there was no change of heart. So that Sunday I announced to the church and we all cried. It was a, it was a tough time. I, and I told them our response was that we were to love them and, and knock on their door and, and beg them to repent, but don't go inside and don't have coffee with them. Don't fellowship with them. I called 15 of the 17 churches in our area and I, and I asked them to stand with us in our discipline. And they all did. And, and I said 15 of the 17 because one of the churches uh, was uh, extremely liberal. And, and that's where they ended up. 
going. That's the only place they could go when they were dying. And Ladner's a small community, and I would meet them. And I remember this one time when I, I met her, and I helped load her groceries into her car, and we were both crying. And I said, please, please repent. And she would cry and say, God brought us together. God brought us together. And I would tell her, no, he hasn't. And that was September, and three months went by. And then early December, one day, it was actually the day of our all-church Christmas banquet, this young mom came to me and she repented. The man never did come to me, but he wrote me a letter and he moved out of town and went to another church and told the pastor everything. And I called the, the pastor there and I told him he was a wonderful man and, and they embraced him and he, he, he was walking in repentance. And at the Christmas banquet, I told the church, I said, we're getting the best Christmas present ever. And I'll tell you, it was. And within a couple of weeks, this mom's husband came to know the Lord during this time as well. And, and people, I learned an important lesson. Joy, as hard as it is, I'll tell you, joy follows discipline. It always does. It's rough. It's tough. But it's worth it. And the restoration that followed was truly amazing. The Lord disciplines those He loves. Remember that. And remember, uh, just thinking of that story, Made me a little emotional here. <laughs> Joy follows discipline. Joy always follows discipline. If you receive it. That's all I have to say today. The presence of the Lord has been here and I want to bless you folks. Let's close our eyes. Lord, I want to thank you for this, this beautiful Sunday morning. I want to thank you for how you've orchestrated things. I want to thank you, Lord, for your love for us. Your love for us. We love you because you first loved us. And today and for the rest of this week, we walk in that love, the precious, wonderful love of God who could comprehend, who could ever comprehend the love of God. So I bless your people, O oh God. May they walk out of here. May they be a blessing to all they meet this week. May they, may they know your goodness. And may the angels of the Lord encamp round and round about them. Pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The band's going to keep playing, the worship team, and they're going to uh, lead in worship. Those of you who want prayer, we're here to meet with you for prayer. Uh, if you just want to stay and enjoy the presence of the Lord, if you want to rush out and get your kids, which is, please don't leave them with us. Yeah. <laughs> Go out and, and get your kids. Or if you want to rush out in the, in, in the foyer and grab one of those encouragement cards because God spoke to you about somebody, you go ahead and do that too. Okay, they're right, right on one of the tables there. God bless you and have a Jesus-filled week, everybody.